T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Home and home. Do you know what an e-bug is? I didn't as of two days ago. Now I'm borderline obsessed with e-bugs to the point where I want to know what other sports could have e-bugs. Where would the e-bugs have the most success? And you even know what the heck I'm talking about right now. I know this much. My co-host today, Jason Martinez, he is an e-bug. I didn't know that either. Until yesterday. Good morning. It is home and home on a Monday, a radio.com sports original, always available radio.com slash home, or just search home on the vaunted radio.com app. My name is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, classic journeyman, which you probably have heard of. I am curious to know how many of you even know what an e-bug is. I found out literally yesterday what an e-bug is from an actual e-bug, my guy Jason Martinez. Now, we will get to the CBA and the NFL in a little bit, and I need to start with something else. I have a moral dilemma. But, Jason, you are, in fact, a living, breathing e-bug. Or did you used to be an e-bug? I, I was an e-bug before an e-bug was official. So an e-bug, sta- it, it stands for emergency backup goaltender. And the e-bug is in the news because an e-bug won a game that had playoff implications in Toronto on Saturday night. So are we all e-bugs in some way, though? Doesn't every fan want to be pulled out of the stands and get into a game? That would be incredible, right? This guy yeah, got to live I- the dream. Yeah, and I actually have a story, a college football story of an e-bug, if you will, that we will get to uh, in a little bit when we dive into that conversation as well. He is at Jason Mert, J-A-S-O-N-M-Y-R-T on Twitter. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL, the show at RDC home and home. So yes, an e-bug is emergency backup goaltender, 42-year-old David Ayers. We'll get to that because I the whole subject is fascinating to me. But I have a little bit of a dilemma, Jay, to start the show that I want your opinion on, okay? So anybody that watched or listens to, fr- to listen to Friday's show knows that I was going to the Poconos with 
my wife and kids and meeting up with my sister and her kids, and we do it every year. Now, I guess I'll start by saying we will be going somewhere differently next year. Uh, we, we've gone to Camelback, I believe, for six straight years. We are ready for a change for a lot of reasons. And my question, Jason, I'll get into the details. I'm not going to spend that much time on it. But my question is, if you have a really bad experience somewhere, do you, A, just take your business elsewhere, B, take the time to send them an email or call them to let them know about the bad experience, whether that is to make you feel better or even just so they know about it, like so that they are aware of the situation. Or maybe you're looking to try to get a freebie back or whatever, I don't know. Or do you look at it and say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not giving them that time. Because that is where I am right now with Camelback after the weekend. Now, at the risk of sounding like a complainer, Jason, I'm not a complainer at all. For five years, we loved Camelback, and we had a great weekend, had a great weekend. But there were a number of little tiny things that were concerning, such as Friday, we go to the, the bar, and there's like 14 people taking a break from skiing, trying to get a drink. I'm trying to get lemonades for my daughters and water for my wife. And there's one bartender. So I'm just sitting there thinking, hmm. So first of all, that's bad customer service for us. But secondly, like, that's just like you're missing out on revenue, Camelback. Mm -hmm. Like you're literally missing revenue. People are here trying to order drinks, right? But that's like a tiny thing. They also, it was a packed weekend. Good for them. They probably don't give a shit about my little issues. But there was no organization in terms of like the lift lines, but those are the little things. There are actually a couple of big things, Jay, uh, three that come to mind, right? That I would consider big things and it's why I am moving on. So number one, we have two daughters. We wanted them to do half day lessons in the morning. All right. That's nine to 1130. Good for them. And good for my wife and Better I, for you. Right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. So we called and did the online chat a number of times ahead of time. You can only book the half-day lesson day of, okay? So we go Friday, and we want these for Saturday morning. We go Friday, and they say, yep, it opens at 8 a.m. tomorrow. The ticket window, and if you want those half-day lessons, opens at 8 a.m. Guess what, Jay? I know that's not the case. I know that if you have um, season passes, you get first tracks at 7.30. So I know that guest services actually opens at 7.30. So I drive my car down there, 7.25. I'm there, and I go to guest services. I am exactly fourth in line when they open the guest services line at 7.30 a.m. Actually, third in line, the one guy let his buddy jump in. 
All right, so there's only one person working, the lady, the whatever. So the first guy goes, second guy goes, third guy goes. Just as the third guy is going, a second person gets there. 7.38 a.m. at this point, right, Jay? You're following me. I'm 7.38, with you. a second worker finally gets there. There's like 15 guys behind me at this point. And everybody wants similar things, right, which is these half-day day of lessons. So I go up there, literally the fourth person in line. It's 7.38 a.m. I say, I'd like to buy two half-day morning lessons for my daughters. She does the computer. I'm sorry, sir. They're sold out. I'm like, no, 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 they're not. Because I called twice. My wife did an online chat. You're not allowed to buy these until this morning. It just opened the door at 730. I am the fourth guy in line. Please explain. You know what I mean? Like you got, you got, well, the hotel has a sales office as well for hotel guests. I said, okay, so what time does that open? 7.30. I'm like, so you mean to tell me that you guys sold out? They only had one afternoon lesson left. I'm like, you mean to tell me you sold out of the half-day lessons other than one in eight minutes at the hotel? And conceivably... You being eight minutes late for work today and not being here at 7.30 and me not being able to buy these at 7.34 a.m. might have been the difference. She's like, well, like I said, the hotel's open, blah, blah, blah. So, dude, so I'm just like, I'm like flummoxed, right? Like, I'm like, I just got up. I had a bunch of beers last night. I can't even ski till 8.30. I got up early and drove down here. I'm going to drive back just to get these. I'm like, okay, do you have any hour and a half lessons? Yes. Okay, so we get the 10 o'clock hour and a half lessons. 10 to 11.30. The big difference is with the hour and a half lessons, Jay, you don't get, it doesn't come with a lift ticket. So you got to buy the lift ticket also. If you get a half day pass, comes with the lift ticket. So whatever, nobody listening cares. It's not the point. switched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I have to pay, so I pay for the hour and a half lesson. When we go, so so it ended up working out great in the sense that we get our girls, we go ski with them from 8.30 to 10, have a great morning. At 10, we go for their lesson, hour and a half lesson. And I say to the lady, the girls are, they're pretty good skiers. Like you need to take them up the mountain and they need to be part of that group. She's like, well, there's only one lift we go up for this. It's the Meadows lift. I'm like, okay, just make sure they're with the group where they go up the meadows lift and ski down there because they're good. Like, we literally have just been skiing for an hour and a half. I just want a teacher to help teach them, okay, no problem. At 11.30, she, the, the, the instructor, le- the, the lady that's in charge leaves, walks over with my two daughters and is like, blah, 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 these two, blah, 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 right? 11.30, we go to pick up our daughters. How was it? They both start bawling. Oh, man. Bawling. Their instructor told them he was not allowed to take them on the chairlift. So, dude, after skiing with us from the top of the mountain down for an hour and a half, they were just on, like, the little 
bunny, bunny thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, and they're bawling. They're bawling. I literally said to the lady, and she went back and told them. So those were the big things. There's a bunch of other little things I can get into. The one other big thing is Sunday, we go to the water park, okay? My daughter and I come down the one two-seat uh, two tube at the water. I am a water park enthusiast, by the way. I freaking love <laughs> water parks. Great Wolf, Aquatopia, Kalahari. I love it. I, I'm not a big daredevil guy, but when it comes to water parks, I am coming. I will say this, though. My wife took me one time during an NFL offseason when I was 325. Oh. Dude, some of those are not rated for 325. I mean, my Looks wife shaky. and I would get on a two-seater tube. No, it, but like when, when you would do the turns, we would go up way too high on it or way too high on it, whatever, right? Like, so, but anyway, yesterday I'm on the tube. My daughter's on the front of it, and it and I, I still have a decent amount of momentum. We go flying. We're about to go, and there's a guy standing right there. There's a guardrail and a wall. He's standing more by the wall. We go. His whole job is to make sure you don't hit the wall or the guardrail. Not doing his job. My daughter, now in fairness, my daughter should not have been leaning forward in the tube. She should have been leaning back. But her face, boom, nails the guard handrail. Blood coming out of her mouth. She lose I any pick her up. I pick her up. No, but almost. Oh I pick her up, run her to first aid. And I'm, I was worried about, because she's got, she's eight. So she's got her oh. permanent teeth in now. So I'm worried about this one right here. It's all bloody coming out. The guy doesn't stop us from going and hitting the guardrail. So anyway, I, none of that matters. What matters is my wife and I had a discussion. Should I email so that, should I email because that will help me feel better? Should I email and just be like, listen, you guys just need to know this. Like, I'm not coming back here again anyway now, but I have three small businesses that I run. I would want to know that, like, yeah. but, and by the way, Jay, just as an aside, how do you, even if you did sell out of half-day lessons, how is that the case? How much money are they just pissing away? What are we talking about here, right? You know, yeah, you, you shouldn't you sell out. No. I'm trying to get, I am trying, like, Shut up and take my money. Like, I'm trying to give you money. And you're like, no, we sold out at seven. We sold out in eight minutes. Like, how about getting some more instructors and not selling out that quickly? What yeah. the hell are we talking about? So I talked about it with my wife. And I'm usually the type of person that would send an email. And I wouldn't do it like, I'm not a jerk. You know what I mean? I'm like a, um, hey, I'm not looking for anything free. And honestly, probably not going to come back. Had a pretty bad experience. But if I were you, I would want to know these things. So here's some things with your business that you're really struggling on and that don't make sense. And that if I were you, I would switch. But the place was packed. 
you guys looked like you were doing great. You probably won't care that my nine people don't come next year. You won't even notice on the line item. But I'm not going to do it. Because you know what? That would take time. And I feel like I'm not going to give them any more time. What would you do? Well, what I would do is I would take this clip of the beginning of the show today and I'd email it to them. You don't have to type anything. You just did it. (laughs) That's what I would do. Why would you want to sit there and type something out and try and type that story out? Just that's, send them this clip. That, yeah, that's so okay. So that's a good point. But my question, okay, let's pretend I didn't have this clip, okay? <laughs> let's pretend we were normal people. Are you the type of person that sends an email? Um, sends an email that's like an FU email? Sends an email that's like a hey, you should know about this email, or just takes your business elsewhere and thinks, I'm just not giving them any more of my time. Now, when my daughter got smacked in the face with uh, the security pole or that stuff, yeah, I'm sending an email. I'm not going to be a total jerk about it, um, but I'm going to be very thorough, and I'm, I'm going to tell them that I'm really disappointed. You know, my kids were looking forward to this. This was going to be a great time, and it just totally disappointed. Uh, it's weird that none of this has ever happened prior to this year. So this is like your first bad experience of any kind at the same place? We've never had an issue with the half-day lessons before. Now, in fairness, we usually would go next weekend or the weekend after, because my birthday is March 2nd, so we would usually go around then. So maybe they just weren't as busy, you know? So that maybe that's part of it. But, wow, man, I'm just... You know, and they're rolling in the dough, like... The, the place was packed, so good for them. They don't need me, I guess, but I don't know. I Let's put it this way. I feel like if I ran Camelback after this weekend, they could be rolling in a lot more dough if they yeah. just did a couple easy things. So I'm not going to – I don't think I'm going to send an email because that takes, like, more time away from me and other stuff I have to do. And, yeah. like, what are they going to do? Give me, like, a $100 gift card? I don't care. I don't want to go back anyway. Yeah, well, they'll tell you, what do we have to do to make this right? That's the, you know, the catchphrase. But you are you. Let's not pretend you're not you. Just send the clip. Send the clip of the show. Yeah, maybe. Millennials, give me a clip. Millennials, give me a, <laughs> give me the clip. Jason's got a good idea there. Yeah, speaking, send the link. <laughs> speaking of Jason providing value, okay, we'll get into the CBA stuff with Andrew Brandt later. Dude. Now, I've heard of guys, random guys, going into a hockey game as a goaltender before. I never knew, though, that there was an actual term for it called e-bug. So let's just start with what happened Saturday night. And since you're the hockey guy, I'll let you lay it out for the listeners, viewers, whatever. All right, so there's always an e-bug in every NHL building. There's a guy that is in the press box that is a goalie that serves both teams, both sides. So if a goalie gets hurt, then he'll go down and get dressed and be the emergency backup. He won't sit on the bench. He'll sit in the locker room in half of his gear. In other words, he'll have his pants on, his pads, his skates. He just won't have his upper body equipment on. Um, but what happened on Saturday is James Reimer got hurt really early in the game for Carolina. He was their starting goalie. So he goes out, can't come back in. So uh, Peter Morazic, who was their backup that night, regular backup, goes into the game, so the e-bug goes downstairs, gets dressed, and is sitting in the press room 
watching the game on a television, eating popcorn, while Peter Morazic is now playing the game for the Carolina Hurricanes. Then a puck comes down into their zone. Morazic decides to go out after it. Huge collision ensues. He's hurt. Now the e-bug, what's going on? They call down there and say, we need the e-bug. He's got to sign a contract. So he has to sign a contract and his, I guess, a liability form. And he gets dressed, gets a couple warm-up shots, and boom, you're in the NHL. Just like that. And he's got to face, he's got 27 plus minutes that he's got to shut down one of the most offensively high-powered teams in the NHL, the Toronto Maple Leafs, where he works, by the way. He works for the Maple Leafs minor league team as a Zamboni driver for the Toronto Marlies, who's the AHL affiliate, and he's also one of their practice goalies. So he was at their practice actually yesterday, the day after he got his first NHL win as an e-bug and practicing with the same team. Pretty crazy. All right, so dude, I, I have about a zillion questions right now. First of all, though, let's establish your credentials. You are or were an e-bug? Before the, yeah, before they made the, the term e-bug and made it mandatory that you had to have a person there, there was always people around in the building that you knew that if you ran into this situation, then there would be people that they would go to and say, can you get dressed? Can you be an emergency backup? There was a time many years ago where the Flyers had their trainer had to get into equipment. There was a kid from Temple that had to get into equipment when he was a pseudo e-bug um, a couple of years ago for the Chicago Blackhawks. And then two years ago, we know what happened with Scott Foster in Chicago facing Winnipeg. But there was what necessitated the change from the NHL. There was a situation that happened in Florida a couple of years ago in a game where uh, Roberto Luongo got hurt for the Florida Panthers. And then their backup, Al Montoya, got hurt. And they had to put, try to put in their goalie coach in the game. And it was an employee of the team, so it got real dicey. So the NHL decided to adopt the official e-bug system. Um, and since that happened... Flyers for a couple years had two guys. Now they have one guy who uh, played Division One at Colgate, a guy named Justin Kowalkowski. Um, so he's the official e-bug for the Philadelphia games now. So he's not an e-bug for the Flyers. He's an e-bug for the Flyers and whoever they play that night. So he's there in the press box. I sit next to him every game. And he is got his, his equipment's downstairs ready to go. And he's gotten called to get dressed about six or seven times, I believe. But he's yet to get into a game. Okay. So, in, how long have you been covering hockey or following it? Uh, since I was four. I'm 47, so 43 years. Okay. I started playing many, when I was four. How many guys have come out of the stands or come out of the press box to get in the game that you can remember offhand? Is it less than five, more than ten? Like, if you had to guess, in the last 40 years? Um, I would probably say about five to seven. Yeah, that actually played. Uh, the guy, David Ayers, played the most significant because he played 27 minutes. I mean, he played almost a half a game in the NHL. He got the win. So, yeah, I, I'd say probably around seven that I recall. Okay. None to that level what, of significance, though. Right, but what happens more often is one goalie gets hurt, the guy goes and gets the equipment on, but then he never gets in because the odds of the second goalie getting hurt are not real good. No, I mean, to get both goalies hurt, no, sometimes a goalie pulls up lame in warm-up, and then that's when the e-bug goes down as well. If a guy gets hurt in warm-up, the starter or whatever, then you got to have that backup. Um, but, yeah, most often it's it's very rare that both goalies are going to get hurt in a game. So th that's, the, that's the reward for the e-bug, though. That's the dream. 
if they both get hurt, and you're not looking for guys to get hurt, but if they both get hurt, now all of a sudden you're in the NHL. You go to your hockey DB page and you show up as being an NHL player. Now you don't get the pension or any of that stuff. You only get 500 bucks in a game jersey, maybe some equipment if they're lucky. But yeah, I mean it's not, it, and they don't get paid to be there every game. They sit, they get a free pass to sit in the press box and eat. That's what that's what I wanted candy. to know. Do those guys do those guys get paid or no? Only if you get into a game. You sign a contract, you get into a game, you get $500, and you get to keep the jersey. All right, so, so they'll sew your name right on the jersey. <laughs> All right, but this Colgate guy that does the Flyers now, right? Mm-hmm. What, what the hell is he doing? Like, what, what, he, he's just going to the game? Like, is he, is he getting – he's not getting paid in any capacity. He just goes to watch the game? Nope, doesn't have to pay for parking, goes to the game, has a seat in the press box right next to yours truly, and uh, gets to watch every game for free, which is cool. He doesn't get to bring, like, his family with him or, you know, a buddy and have beers while he's watching the game. He sits in the press box and hangs out. It'd be a lot cooler if he did, though. I was thinking that. Like, now, how were you in – like, where did you play and how were you in E-Bug for some games? Well, I've been playing goalie my whole life, and and just from being around the team, I've worked for the Flyers and been doing their broadcast in 2008. So I've been around the team for so long. And, you know, I, I do a lot of their charity stuff and I end up on the ice doing charity stuff. Like yesterday they had their big carnival and I was on, on the ice taking shots from kids and, you know, people to raise money for charity, people shooting at me at the Wells Fargo Center on the ice. So uh, just from doing it for so long and being around the team for so long, you know, you kind of kind of get involved in this kind of stuff. And you always hope that I'll hope that the two goalies get hurt and the e-bug gets hurt and then I'll get called in now. Oh, are you fourth? Are you the are you the are you the e bug? <laughs> I'm the assistant to the e bug. <laughs> the to, is that that's not why you're sitting there in the stands though, right? You're you're there. No, I work. I, I work for the games. Yeah, I do the broadcast. I do the pre-intermission and post-game. So I interview players when they come off the ice in between periods and post-game and all that. Oh, that's awesome, man! I didn't realize that. All yeah. e- every home game. Every home game, yeah, I've been doing it for 12 years. And do you love it? Yeah, I love the game. So for me, it's not a big deal. I don't have to prepare for it because I, I, I love the game so much. I follow it whether I was doing that or not. So, And I've been around it for so long. There's no player there that's been there longer than, than I've done it. So I have a good relationship with them. They, we all tr- you know, they trust me that I'm not going to put them in a bad position. And, you know, Ross, when you're dealing with athletes, sometimes that English isn't their first language. They're very reticent. So... Yeah, it's 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 an easy gig. It's a fun gig, and, and you know the culture of the sport's great, and the athletes are are great to deal with. Okay, so the next question: Do we love e-bugs? Or I love e-bugs. Is something... <laughs> no, I know. Of course you do. But is this the way it should be? Like, let's be honest, okay? You love the NHL. You're a big NHL hockey guy. Like, to me, watching the story, first of all, it's the most interested I've been in the NHL in a while, and I freaking love it. Like, I love everything about this. But then I also think, and and for like, that, and that's the emphasis, right? It's like, that is awesome, this guy, 42-year-old, damn bony driver. But then, I, but then my, my next reaction was like, wait a minute, how the hell is that possible? Like, that yeah. would never happen in any other sport. Like... How is that even a thing? Is there something the NHL should do differently 
so that this never happens. This was a playoff, you know, this is for the playoff race. Yeah, look, the win, the two points that Carolina got in the game put them back into the top eight in the Eastern Conference to be a playoff team. And, you know, and he played 27 minutes of the game. Now, a lot of people are calling for reform to the e-bug. I can't believe we're talking about this, but reform to the e-bug <laughs> situation. Uh, but and the, and the reform they're calling for, and, and it's a lot of former goaltenders that played in the league. It's some executives, a guy named Brian Burke, who, who uh, works at Sportsnet in Canada now, was a former general manager. Um, the reform that they're calling for is that the e-bug shouldn't be a 42-year-old beer leaguer. It should be some guy that played junior at a pretty decent level, probably not anything over 32 years of age. You know, you're putting a 42-year-old beer league guy out there with NHL guys in live play in a game that meant something. What if that guy got hurt? You know, there's, so there are there's some reform that they could consider. Um, I'm not for that reform. I'm 47, so I'm going to keep the dream alive. So, uh, look, I love that a 42-year-old guy went out there. A 36-year-old Scott Foster in Chicago went out and won. He was talking about you know, being at his accounting job that day, and he went out and he was stopping shots from Patrick Line and some of the best shooters in the NHL playing against the Winnipeg Jets. So I like the e-bug system just the way it is. I understand why they're calling for it, especially with, you know, so much on the line and two teams that needed to get a win. And the fact that Toronto didn't get a win at home against a Zamboni driver, believe me, I'm sure that's being talked about in that city today, and there's a lot of shame in it. They're calling it rock bottom up there. It's got to be. Hold on a second, though. This guy works for the Toronto Maple Leafs organization. That's his job. Yeah. Yep. And, okay. he, and he's a practice so goalie for the not, as well. How does he not let the Maple Leafs score so that they win? That's his employer. That's I got that, his job. I got, I got that question 700 times on Twitter yesterday. Now, if, if, I, went into, if I was the e-bug and I went into a game – for say Carolina against the Flyers, would I let Carolina score? Anybody that's an e-bug no, is certainly No, would you let the Flyers score? Would you let the Flyers yeah, score? Yeah, so that they would win the game. And the answer is really simple. Hell no. You're in the NHL. You don't want to go out there and look like a donkey. I'm going to go out there and try and stop everything I can. And if you look, if you even consider to be an e-bug, you played at a decent level so and you're competitive, you don't want to go out there on national TV and look like you can't stop a beach ball from the blue line. You want to impress me? Like, I belong though, here. Not, who cares though? You're not getting another deal from it. You're not like it's not like. So let's say you got in, dude. Okay, you're not getting an NHL deal from it, and you'd be a lot cooler in Philadelphia if you made sure that the Flyers won, wouldn't oh, you? No, I'd have more street cred because I'm stopping them. You know what I'm saying? And, and look, the other part of it is too, as as a member of the goalie union, you never let anybody score ever. It's just it, you don't like pucks in your net. You're never going to let anybody score. I would never Where let. Where did you play? How do you have qualifications to be an e-bug? You don't need a lot of qualifications, Ross. <laughs> you have to be able to stop a puck at a beer league. That's where I play now. We all end up in beer league. It doesn't matter what level you played. Well, okay. So what is beer league? What does that mean? That's just men's league. Just awesome. Like, you guys have beers during the game or just after? Some have them before. Um... Not many during, but always beers after in the locker room. It's grimy, man. Hockey's a really grimy. You'd fit in perfect. We got to get you to one of our beer league games. That sounds amazing. I have a uh, my um, one of my good friends growing up. His dad played beer league hockey into his sixties for sure. Yeah, 
for sure. There's like over 45 six. leagues and stuff like that. Yes. So there's and all different levels. It. Yeah. It, yeah. It's great because you're – look, the one thing – and you know this, play, playing pro sports, the one thing when you retire or you played sports at any decent level growing up or a lot of it is the one thing you miss is the room, the locker room, and the camaraderie that you had. That's That's the most fun part getting dinged up and hit and hit with pucks or whatever it is, that's not the fun part. It's hanging out with the boys in the room. So, you know, this keeps it alive for guys. And, you know, there's all different levels. You can play over 45, which is really slow paced. Or, you know, for a 60-year-old guy, or you can you can play in some of the higher leagues where you're playing with kids that are just out of college. Or in the summertime, all the college kids are home and kids that play junior, and, it's, it's, and they rip it. It's crazy when you play in, like, the A League or B League in, in a lot of these beer leagues. All right, so... And I'm one of those you idiots like that the, does that. <laughs> you, but you like you like the e-bug process exactly the way it is. It just feels weird to me that the guy can play for either team. But I guess you don't want to have to have two e-bugs on standby. It, the way the rosters are, you're not going to carry three goalies. So it's not like a team's going to bring an emergency goalie. Yeah, so you, you have one guy e-bug. that – what's that? You can't travel an e-bug. You know, you're not going to pay for the hotel – on the one in like what five thousand chance that he's going to get into a game, right? So it just each home stadium, each home arena has their own e bug now, and that guy's just there in case disaster happens. Dude, how bad do you want your guy to get in a game? Oh, uh, when he goes down, and I'll go up to the press box and I see that he's not sitting there. I'm like, oh, he's not here. Somebody must have got hurt, you know, because he gets a call from the he got a text from the assistant general manager. And they'll tell him to go downstairs to get his stuff on. And when he's not there, I'm like, oh, man, I'm hoping he gets in. You know, I want him to get one. He's dying to get one. You see guys like, like, look what it did for Scott Foster, the kid in Chicago. And then look what it's doing for David. David Ayers is on Good Morning America. You know what I mean? He's the talk of Canada. He's the, uh, we're talking about it. Everybody's talking about it. It's a great story. Imagine what it does for a guy like that. He's got his moment. All right. So let's talk about other sports for e-bug. Ah. All right. <laughs> now, what's the one, like if you had to pick a sport where you can see them doing this, what would it be? I mean, the one thing that comes to mind is, is in football is the kicker. Um, but is a guy that you pull out of the stands a better option to be your kicker than an NFL player who may have kicked it somewhere along his career as a football player. You know what I mean? Like, remember Brian Mitchell came in and kicked. Um, there's other guys in the NFL that have come in and kicked. I mean, and it affects the game so much, Ross, because if you don't have any kicker to kick field goals, now you have to go for it on fourth down every time that you're in field goal range. It affects the outcome of the game. But if you had an emergency backup kicker, and you can try these guys out, like they have tryouts for e-bugs, and they could have tryouts for an emer- emergency backup kicker, you give him a free ticket to the game. He sits in the press box, and if uh, your kicker gets hurt, he goes down, throws on some equipment, and he can be your place kicker or your punter or whatever. So I could. Okay, but here's kicker. what I understand. Here's what I understand. Here's what I understand. Okay, in football, the kicker gets hurt, the punter does it, or some linebacker kicks off or whatever, right? Yeah. In baseball, you don't want to go through your pitchers late in the game. You put Jose Canseco in to throw the ninth inning or whatever, right? Like in hockey, those guys have all been playing hockey their whole life. One of the guys on the team should go in at goalie. Like, I, what am I missing here? A couple of things. Number one, you're missing the fact that they haven't played goalie. So the positions are so different. 
just standing on the skates is different. A, a, a skate that a player wears is arced like this. A goalie skate is flat. So, like, I can't skate on a player skate. I feel like I'm on a rocking chair. Like, I'm looking like this, right? But on a goalie skate, it's flat. It's more like a rollerblade, um, number one. And does that guy have equipment, and equipment that fits him? Is he just going to stuff himself into the other goalie's equipment? What if that goalie's 6'5", and he's 5'11"? The length of the pads is going to be – the emergency backup has his own equipment that fits him. And the emergency backups have played at a decent level where they can get in there and play the position certainly better than throwing, you know, uh, William Nylander from the Toronto Maple Leafs in that or something like that. So I don't think you can just throw a player in like you can with a kicker in the NFL or a pitcher in baseball. There's an, there's so, an equipment issue there as well, obviously. So let me ask you this. Let's say – Let's say we took all the e-bugs that there are, all right? A random sampling of e-bugs, and there were 100 shots on goal, okay? What would you guess how many shots would get in? Where the shit, not all shots are created equal. Um, I know, a a, a random 100-shot sampling of NHL shots. Um, the, uh, the goals against average would probably be somewhere around, not the goal, the, the save percentage would be about 750, where for an NHL goalie, it's about 915. Okay. So if it's 750, that means 25 goals get in. Yeah. If it's 915, that means like eight goals get in. Yeah. Okay. So there's a big difference. Yeah, but the other thing you have to consider is the team playing in front of you. When you have there's a theory in hockey, like like there is in football, it's the the backup quarterback theory or the backup goalie theory, that when you have a backup in there, everybody else raises the level of their game, which is exactly what Carolina did. They just suffocated the opponent and they didn't get good shots on their goalie, so he was able to make seven saves in the third period of that game. Dude, was the and the game was in Toronto. It was in Toronto. Yeah, because he was the he works for the Leafs. Oh, right, right, right. So then all the Carolina guys, they hopped on the plane and left right after the game. He didn't even get a chance to really celebrate with them, right? Oh, no, that he went in the room after the game after doing the off ice interview on Hockey Night in Canada. And that's a huge thing up there. Hockey Night in Canada is everything, right? And he does the interview with the towel and the whole thing. And he goes into Wait, the room and they second, like showered second. him. Hold on a second. That just so happened to be the Hockey Night in Canada game? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. People in Canada must have been losing their freaking mind. That is like the dream for everybody. They must have been losing their shit. Well, it, they were losing their shit in two ways. One, they, they were booing the shit out of their home team because they weren't scoring on an emergency backup goaltender and losing to a Zamboni driver. But then they were cheering every time he made a save. So they were like a conundrum wrapped in a riddle. They didn't know whether to wind their butt or scratch their ass. You know what I mean? <laughs> So it was it was crazy. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're going bananas up there about it now. And he went in the room and they all showered him with, you know, with water bottles like it was that. And they're going to fly him down to Carolina for Tuesday night for a home game and honor him and make a big deal about it there. So really cool stuff. That is awesome. So, OK, I love your Toronto excitement because having... you were a pro athlete. <laughs> What's that? I love the excitement you have about it. And you were a pro athlete like you got to wear the helmet. Yeah, I know, but that that's different. You know what I mean? Like, like I I can totally appreciate this and this guy, and like I like I'm so happy for him. So, 
what I don't understand is why why is there an AHL and an NHL team both for the Toronto to, in in Toronto? That's weird to me. Well, that market can handle it. The, the the Toronto market is a fervent hockey market that can have two teams there and support both teams well. The, in Philadelphia, there were both teams were in Philadelphia for a period of time when the Spectrum was still here, and it was the Philadelphia Phantoms, their AHL affiliate, and the Philadelphia Flyers, and they played across a parking lot from each other. And they, this market could support it at that time as well, because just like you know, a Triple A AAA or Double A team in baseball going to the AHL game, like going to a Double A baseball game. Is far cheaper. You get way more access. It's seeing tomorrow's stars today, so they can sell it. Uh, in Toronto, that's no problem at all. Absolutely no problem. By the way, you'll be proud of me, Jay. Tomorrow night, I am going to the Hershey Bears, AHL. My, uh, my wife's family business, second row seats next to the opposing team's penalty box. So I'm going to a hockey game tomorrow night. I'm going to call ahead. But, dude, if you guys need an extra e-bug, I they am They have them for the AHL. Hey, I'll tell you right, right, right now. I can't even skate, so I would be a as if they let me wear sneakers, or if they let me wear like some kind of boots. I could just kind of suit up and be big in there. I'd rather, I'd rather be the uh, e buff, emergency backup fighter. I'd rather come in like if they need someone to get in a fight. As long as I don't have to stand on ice. As long as they, they can roll a carpet out and I get to be on the carpet part while the other guy's on the uh, skate, would I still get smoked, you think? Yeah. <laughs> Those guys are insane. They'd be throwing, Dude, like, jackhammers at you. <laughs> that, would be, that would be amazing. That, dude, everything about this is fascinating. I love e-bug. I lo- Dude, now I want my new rooting interest is to watch Flyers games. And hope five goalies get hurt so that you get in. That's <laughs> that's now that's now what my my dream is. Ross, I bring my equipment to the practices just in case a goalie gets hurt in practice, and they go, "Yo, we need a plug out there and send you out." <laughs> Have you ever done it? Uh, no, I haven't. But um, I, I didn't used to go to a lot of practices. I go to a lot more now. So the gears in the car. Needless to say, my my car smells like hell. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is nothing amazing. worse than hockey equipment. Yeah, I, I am loving this a lot more than I am the NFL CBA talk. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. But we have Andrew Brandt. He's as good as anyone when it comes to the business of the NFL. Boy, you want to talk about a buzzkill. Going from e-bug 
to NFL CBA, which is an interesting question I have for you, Jay, when we get back, which is, do you give a shit about the NFL CBA? Like I do, but do people that aren't affected by it really care? We will discuss that when we return. I might, though, during the break, have to get a little five-hour energy because I'm tired of that 2.30 feeling. In fact, if you are as well, research shows that more than 70% of us hit the wall after lunch. Let a five-hour energy shot help you leap over that wall instead of crashing into it. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life with zero sugar, four calories, and a convenient portable size. It's the perfect pick-me-up for busy, hardworking people. Now it comes in two great extra-strength tropical tastes, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They are delicious and can take you to a tropical on-the-go experience. Five-hour energy shot can help you stay alert and energized wherever you may be headed. What is the question that your kids have asked you that you didn't know how to answer? That will be our Ask Reddit question of the day in about 15 minutes. Right now, though, we are joined here on Home and Home, a radio.com sports original by my good buddy, Andrew Brandt. He is the host of the Business of Sports podcast, joins me every week on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, both of which, by the way, available right here on the radio.com app, the greatest app in the history of mankind. He also writes for the MMQB. He heads up the Sports Law Institute over at Villanova. He does it all, and he's here to help us with the NFL CBA stuff. And I I guess I'll start with this, Andrew. What is your understanding of exactly where things stand right now? Yeah, always great to be with you, Ross. What we're talking about now is we have a three-step process for the union to ratify a proposed deal that's been offered to them for the owners for the next 10 years. And the three steps are union leadership, which has negotiated this deal, two, actually four steps, to the executive committee, 11-man group, which has voted slightly but voted against recommending it six to five, to the 32-player reps, which eventually would go to the 1,900 NFL players. So where we are? is that the six to five recommendation has held up sending it to the next levels. And we are hearing that there will be more negotiations this week in Indianapolis between the owners and the players to try to get a deal that they do want to recommend to the 32 player reps. Andrew, it seems like um, the NFL is, is very resolute on getting this 17 game. They want to negotiate this into their next TV package. But what do the players hope to gain from this? And is it really a negotiation? What can they possibly get out of this negotiation that makes it palatable for them, even though they will make more money with expanded rosters and more salary? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on the key aspect. There's 20-something deal points involved here. But what have we heard, guys, for the last one, two, five, ten years from players? No way, no how, in God's green earth, are we playing more than 16 games. 
And it's disingenuous of ownership to suggest that while saying health and safety are so important. Yet, here we are. So it becomes a business deal. Okay, we'll give up our safety. It's a business deal. So the ultimate question is, are they getting enough for this major, major concession, which I had said all along, there's no way to get a CBA without it because that's the real value from the players to the owners. And, yes, you're going to talk about, everyone's going to talk about pension increases and, and increased rosters, but to me it's always followed the money. And the money in simplistic terms, it was 50-50 10 years ago. The owners imposed their will last time to get a 53-47 split. Now the split will go to 48.5 in a couple years. And again, my opinion, that's not enough. It's not enough for a 10-year deal. You know, why, why couldn't it go from 48.5 to 49 after four years, 49 to 49.5 after six years, 49.5 to 50 after eight years? To me, that would be a lot more equitable and wouldn't skew the deal if they could get it. We're talking with Andrew Brandt. Check him out on Twitter, at Andrew Brandt, B-R-A-N-D-T, the host of the Business of Sports podcast. You know, let's advance the story, though, on some level, Andrew, because I've seen your tweets, and it seems clear that you don't really see much of a need for any type of sense of urgency on the NFLPA's part. At this point, though, What is their real leverage if you play this thing out over the next year or so? I think it's the leverage is the same that it is right now, which is ownership really wants a deal so they can go to these TV networks and broadcast entities, digital media, and say we have labor peace for 10 years. Because without a deal... They're negotiating like, yeah, I mean, we still could have a lockout. You know, we still could have labor stoppage in 2021. And this gives them peace of mind. No one's going to buy into a product that's uncertain in a year. So, listen, my point in all these tweets, Ross, is that why is everyone, not everyone, why are some media and people going to the idea of lockouts and strikes and missed games now? I mean, We're 13 months away from expiration of this deal. We're 20 months away from a potential missed game. So I just don't see the urgency, and the urgency is on the owner's part, which gives the players leverage. You know, again, go ahead. I mean, this is a really interesting negotiation that's about to take place with the NFL and rights deals. Because it's a a bit non-traditional in a sense, because you now have streaming services that will be involved, whether that's Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, Apple TV, whoever that might be, now flooding the marketplace. So this is is really a big one for the NFL. So that leverage is even more pronounced for the players, considering what's about to take place with these negotiations and the digital properties. Yeah, and my feeling, Dave, is all along... It's not going to be and or. It's going to be both. I mean, it's not going to be or. It's going to be and. So the new deals are going to be with CBS, NBC, Fox. But they're also going to be with you, Google, Yahoo, Amazon, Twitter, Facebook. I mean, so it's going to be both. And they're going to be massive. And I was involved with the Amazon broadcast 
contributing business insights to Hannah Storm and Andrea Kramer on the stream, that's the future. You know, Thursday night was broadcast Fox, cable NFL Network, and streaming Amazon. I think that's the future of, of NFL broadcast. All right, so here's another question, Andrew, along those lines. It felt to me like there was a decent chance this deal was going to get done on Friday until Thursday came, the NFL released that statement, and the last couple sentences made it clear that if it wasn't accepted – the NFL was ready to move on with continuing the same CBA for the 2020 season. And then you had the J.J. Watt tweet that night. I almost feel like all the PR with every member of the media leaking out all these favorable terms and the way the NFL framed their statement I almost felt like the NFL PA and some of the players felt like they were being pushed into a corner and they didn't like it. Yeah. I mean, listen, the spin, I get it. People that work for NFL network, I get it. You know, it's like, they're not going to say it's a bad deal for the players. Uh, So what I tried to do is sort of see it from both sides. And I, you know, I got a lot of players following me over the last few days and I appreciate that. Um, I just think what we have to do is try to be down the middle on this stuff because we don't know what, you know, what's really in this deal, but I think people are making too much of JJ Watt and these rich players and it, and, you know, it's being this kind of minority and the, and the rank and file, it's listen, the six to five vote, we're not the six against it. I don't know who they are, but they're not JJ Watt. They are rank-and-file players. So, you know, this executive committee is not made up of J.J. Watts. I know Richard Sherman's a star, but listen, we have to lose that sort of theory about this. This is not rank-and-file saying it's all good and stars against it. That committee is made up of a lot of rank-and-file. So let's be clear about that. Andrew, um Perhaps you can figure this out for me. You're a smart guy. I feel smarter just listening to you. I've said it very often when you're on my radio show before. Um, Playing an odd number of games presents a really bizarre situation to me. Are you going to play one extra road game every other year? Are you going to have the home game every other year? Are you going to have a neutral site game every year? And then the logistics that go into that and the lack of control in non-NFL stadiums and facilities and We've seen the effect of that on all sports when you're playing in a non-NFL or a stadium that's not sanctioned by your league. So how is that going to work for this going forward if you're going to play an odd number of games? You know, in all of my my sources on the management side, not one has had a, had a theory for that. Uh, it's almost like we'll figure it out. And obviously won't happen until the earliest, 2021. And you're right. It could be nine games home one year, eight games home the next year, rotate, rotate, rotate. And then we keep hearing about international, but we would need a lot more international games. Now, maybe it goes from four to eight in London. 
So you got half the league playing in London, and then you have to figure out Mexico and Toronto and Germany, you know, to fill in the rest of the league. They clearly want to expand international, and that's part of it. But maybe the first two years, half the league goes eight home games, half the league goes nine home games, and they switch the next year. And again, this is not fleshed out at all. Andrew, always great talking with you. Looking forward to talking with you later on in the week. And, of course, checking out the Business of Sports podcast. Everybody needs to follow him on Twitter, at Andrew Brandt. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks, guys. There he is, Andrew Brandt, host of the Business of Sports podcast and a a weekly uh, guest on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Wednesday's edition here on the Radio.com app. Here's my question, Jason. I teased it before we went to our first break. It's really simple, and I want you to be brutally honest. Do you give a shit about the NFL CBA? Yes, because there's a lot hanging in the balance. I do not want the sport to go on strike. I do not want to have a lockout because I don't want to live a life without having the NFL in the fall. I don't want to deal with it. I want the sport there. In September, like it is every year, signaling that fall has arrived. And I don't want to put anything at risk. So I do care about it. And, and, and I care about this this odd number of games. Maybe I'm making too much of it. And one year you play nine games on the road. One year you play eight. To me, there, there's a disadvantage to that. Maybe the year that you should be a team that gets home field, you got an extra road game. How can you have a sports league and one as successful as the NFL, and have an odd number of games. The term 500 in sports, to me, means something. And the fact that you can't be 500 in the NFL is ridiculous. Now, I know the players don't want to add one game, let alone two. But to me, you cannot have a sports league of that level of magnitude and have an odd number of games. All right, so here's the question then in my mind, right? I get that people care about the two more playoff games and whether or not it waters it down or whatever. And I get that people have concerns about the 17th game and injuries and scheduling and stuff like that. And I even get what you're saying about them missing games, which I highly doubt they would do. Um, Outside of those things, outside of the things that affect your life, Do you give a shit about the actual minimum salaries, pension, you know, J.J. Watt's tweet? Like, I guess I'm wondering right now, right? People are listening or watching or driving in their cars on the Radio.com app, Radio.com slash home. Are they into this right now or do they just turn the channel? Because they're like, you know what? You know what I don't care about? Collective bargaining. I don't care about CBA talks. I don't care about, you hear it all the time, millionaires and billionaires fighting each other, which is my least favorite thing almost ever, which is saying something. Uh, But do you care about any of that stuff? Or do you just care about the stuff that affects you? Which, by the way, if I were you, I think I would be like that. I I wouldn't care about this. I just care about it because, A, I lived it, and, B, frankly, some of the retired player stuff, pension stuff, affects me. 
Yeah, and for you that absolutely makes sense. I don't have a, I don't have any skin in that game. So no, I don't care about the minutia of the deal or percentages. I get why players want more percentage of the football related revenue to go from that 47 and a half percent to 48 and a half or whatever. Look, they're printing money, but I'm not oblivious to the fact either that most NFL players aren't making what JJ Watt makes. You know, these guys there's there's a the upper echelon, the upper crust makes all the money. Then there's a lot of guys that are sacrificing their bodies and minds and everything else and aren't making that kind of money. So I'm not oblivious to that, but I don't get caught up in that minutia. And I am a bit selfish, of course. I don't give one tenth of one shit about what one guy makes. I want the sport there for me in the fall. That's what I want. It's my world and I'm living in it. Love it. And I'll say this too. Uh, I, I, I express my displeasure with J.J. Watt on Friday. I think that the NFL, having all of their media people putting out all these terms that make it look really good for the players, and the way they phrased that statement they put out, which was at the end, like there will be no more negotiating if this isn't accepted, the owners have voted to move forward with the current CBA. I felt like that kind of put the players in a corner. And what I would say to that is, it, NFL players are the type of people that if you if they feel threatened or like they're backed into a corner, they're going to fight their way out. Like, that's how they got to the NFL. They're not going to cower or cave or wave the white flag. You wouldn't get to that position if you were that person. You fight. And when you feel like you're kind of being backed in the corner, oh, no, oh, they think we'll just accept it? All right, the heck with them. We'll see what happens now. That, And I, I personally believe that more of the executive committee would have voted yes, and they probably would have sent it to a vote if it weren't for that and probably J.J. Watt's tweet, because a lot of people think J.J. Watt is representative of the players or knows what he's talking about. And it's true. They could continue under the current CBA. That would cost a lot of guys a lot of money. Like if they stick with the current CBA, Jay, all of the rookies, their minimum will be 5'10 instead of 6'10". Hundred grand for all three hundred rookies that make the team make make a team this year. That's a lot of money. I mean, you're talking about twenty yeah. percent of their income. And by the way, that might be their only year that they make it. One year. That hundred thousand makes a huge difference in their life before they get cut next year and have to go to the XFL or realize they're going to get some other job. And not only that, it makes a huge difference in pension. So. There's a lot of guys whose pensions are very small right now. This is a significant increase. I'm not even one of them, and mine would go up 80 bucks a month. Um, mine's currently 470. It would go up to 550 under this deal. So, but there's guys that the guys that played like before 1993, they get like 210 dollars, mm -hmm. and it would immediately go to 550 a month. It's a big difference. Yeah, that's, you know, for well, those guys, that's a big difference. 
Yeah, rolling out the bully tactic like the NFL did, as it was reported and and everything that was put out, I thought was the wrong time to do that. And you're right. Professional athletes aren't going to sit there and go, oh, okay, we'll just cower to you. That's not how they became their type A personalities, right? So that that's number one. And number two, I think the players are probably going, do you see those stadiums? Are there, are there people to, there to watch you own or manage? No. They're there to watch us play and perform. So the players are like, screw you guys. Without us, you don't have shit. So they're going to draw a line in the sand, especially when you go with that tactic so early in this negotiation, like it's our way or the highway. If I'm a player, I'm flipping them the bird. I'm like, screw you guys. And I'm going to get my back up about it too. Yeah, the problem with that is the players really don't have the will to actually sit out games. Yeah. So that that's always where the issue comes into play, which is the ultimate leverage. He is Jason Mertidis. He's the e-b-b-bug for the Philadelphia Flyers. He's the emergency backup, emergency backup to the backup goaltender. Emergency so backup to the, the e-bug. He's the emergency backup to the e-bug. But I want to have like I want to be able to call you the. Ebug, you're the Ebig, Ebig, something. We'll figure it out during the break. When we come back, what's the one thing your kids have asked you that you can't answer? And we'll continue our, uh, what are we, I don't remember what we've been calling it. All 32. It's called All 32 with the Miami Dolphins. We return here, radio.com, sports original. The show is called Home and Home. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. T-Mobile.com. 